May it please the listeners. My name is Rich Schoenstein, and this is Law Brief. We are back to work after the winter holiday, and I am here with my partner, Gina Piazza. Hi, Gina. Hi, Rich. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And uh, while the holidays might be in the rearview mirror, remnants remain. You may have reached into your stocking this year, if you were a good girl or boy, dug around the coal and found yourself some holiday gift cards, which I think more and more are a staple of festive holiday giving. And uh, they're just like money, right, Gina? Kind of. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of. Kind of and kind of not. So I think all of us have these now, gift cards that we might get because someone gave them to us instead of cash or gift cards that we got because we exchanged something um, or, or, or otherwise. And it turns out there's a fair amount of law governing gift cards. Is that right? Yes, there is. All right. So tell us, here's sort of a threshold question about gift cards, because in my house, we have a little folder full of these things. And we wonder, do they last forever? That depends. (laughs) All right. Well, what does it depend on? Depends on the store's policy, and it depends on the law surrounding the gift card. So there's federal law and there's state law that covers gift cards. Federal law says that you cannot have an expiration date of shorter than five years. And some state laws mirror the federal law. Some other state laws say that you cannot have an expiration date at all. So it really depends on a lot of different factors. Where the store is is going to be the main factor. Let's say you have a store in New York. New York mirrors the federal law. So in New York, you're allowed to have an expiration date, but it cannot be shorter than five years. I want to ask you a uh, sort of quintessential law geek question that came up. How do I know if it's federal or state law that applies? Well, federal law will always apply because it's overarching, right? right? And then the state law, if it's less restrictive, will apply. So if the state law has something like a two-year um, expiration date, that's not going to fly because federal law trumps state law in that circumstance. So it's going to be five years always. Five years, the lowest expiration date that any gift card can have. Anywhere in America mm-hmm. because of this federal law. Yeah. And as you said, some states may have add more years to that. Exactly. And I think there are some states that say you can't expire at all. Exactly. California says you cannot, a gift card cannot expire. I understand now from the store's perspective issuing them, they probably don't want them to have a forever lifetime because then there's this cash out there that they have to honor. Well, some of them some of them actually do want a forever lifetime and the reason is that if these stores are located in multiple states and their customers are traveling back and forth between different states, you know, they could have a store in New York and a store in California with two different sets of rules and that really isn't helpful for them. So generally what we'll recommend is that if a retailer has multiple locations across different states, that they apply the more favorable rule to the the customer. So not apply an expiration date. Okay, I follow that. So from the consumer perspective, 
if you have these gift cards, uh, you shouldn't assume they've expired if they're only a year or two old. In fact, if they're less than five years, they're probably still good. Right. The thing is, again, like I said earlier, some stores try to implement policies that create uh, an expiration date. But you should call the number on the back of the card or you should go to the store. Or if you think that they're doing something wrong, you should call Better Business Better Bureau. Business Bureau. What do the retailers do to deal with all of these cards that have been issued but never used? What kind of problems do they create for the retailer? Uh, that's going to be another depends question. Basically, they leave them, a lot of them leave them on their books and records, and they never even realize that they have this, uh, let's call it an, an issue, until they see this big sum of money on their liabilities, on their balance sheet. And then they go to their accountant, and they're like, we want to convert this into an asset instead of a liability. And the accountant's like, wait, wait, you can't really just convert it into an asset. Let's look at your policy. Let's see when it expires, when it technically becomes yours. So if you have a gift card without an expiration date, does it really ever become the stores? No, it's going to sit on their liabilities because there's no expiration date. That person can come in and use it at any time, right? On the other hand, some states have abandoned property or unclaimed property laws that would force the state, when it's once it's been sitting there unused for a certain period of time, which is called a dormancy period, it forces the, uh, the, the retailer to take a look at those records and kind of figure out what has become dormant and basically what needs to be turned over to the state. What do you mean by that when it's turned over to the state? You mean the money is turned the over to the state? The money is turned over to the state. Because this is viewed by the state as an abandoned asset of the consumer exactly. and the state will take possession of it on the theory that the consumer could then get it back from the state. Exactly. Okay. So for New York, gift cards or the unused balances of gift cards become abandoned and must be reported to the state after five years from the last date of use. So if a client of ours, if a retailer has $1 million of unused uh, funds, unused gift cards on its books, we really have to look at the unused funds and figure out you know, which portion of it has become dormant. So again, anything that hasn't been used for a period of five years from the date that we're looking back is dormant and should be given to the state. Before it can be given over to the state, the company has a due diligence requirement, so they have to try to reach out to that customer and get the money back to them. It becomes a problem when we're using these electronic-type gift cards because Generally speaking, I mean, most of the time, we don't have any information for um, the person, the holder of the gift card. Right, because a lot of times they, they were just that. They were a gift. Right. Someone bought the card and gave it, and there's no way the retailer would know whose pocket it's in at any moment. So I, it's, it's complicated, and people don't want to deal with it. Right. But they have to deal with it. Otherwise, they have this accounting entry that's not really accurate that just sits on their books for years and years. Right. And I mean, I think that's the lesser problem because if the states come in, the states, knowing how much money they can get from these um, un unused uh, gift card balances, they have started to become more active in trying to collect them. 
And it's important to them because a lot of these gift card balances are not associated with a name. So no one's ever coming after the state to claim them. Generally, people forget about the balances, and the state basically gets a windfall. So um, they've been more active. They've audited companies. Both Delaware and New York are fairly active in auditing. And if the retailer wants to avoid a, a penalty, then they really should you know, stay on top of things and, and know, what know what the requirements are. And a lot of people aren't very well versed in, in this area of the law because it's, it's kind of odd. It doesn't come up that much. And it comes up only in certain circumstances. So the reason we really started working on this was because we had a large retailer as, our, as a client, and they were audited. So we became very familiar with the unclaimed property laws in New York, Delaware. And, and because of their location in a number of other states, we've, we've also um, you know, kind of done a risk assessment for them in other states as well. Who were they audited by? New York. Okay, and the comptroller, right? The comptroller, and in New York, and from the point of view of the state, we've talked about the point of view of the consumer and the point of view of the retailer. From the point of view of the state, this is just a revenue generating exactly. mechanism. The fines and the penalties can be fairly significant if the state enforces them, but the penalties can be hefty, and especially if you willfully, like you know that you have this obligation and you willfully disregard your obligation to report. You mentioned uh, voluntary compliance. What is that? Is that something a company can do on a regular basis to sort of guard this area? Well, basically it's a one-time opportunity for the companies to come forward and say, hey, look, I've got all this on abandoned property or unclaimed property on my books. What do I do with it? It gives the state a chance to look into their books and records. The state basically audits them. Um, They have to sign affidavits and agreements and make sure they're, you know, they've done a comprehensive review of their records to locate any unclaimed property. Now, unclaimed property is not limited to gift cards. We're talking about it in the context of gift cards. But there are uncashed checks and other things. A bicycle left at the company office is unclaimed property as well. So there's a there's a whole host of other uh, unclaimed property that is subject to the audit. This might be part of a broader audit on a retailer's yeah. unclaimed property. Yeah. And if you've distributed gift cards in many different states, then your your compliance program has to take all of those states into consideration, right? Yes. Your, your compliance program has to take those states into consideration or you have to figure out a way to, um, to try and limit your compliance in the sense that you're strategically looking at the information that you collect from the consumer. So if you do not collect their address information, for example it's very likely that you'll only have to comply with the laws in the state of incorporation. Would that incentivize a company strategically to not collect a lot of information? Yes, it definitely does. Um, Aside from the fact that sometimes, I mean, now with the privacy uh, regulations coming into play, you may not want to collect people's information. Right. I know that it's not. I know that it's not um, something that someone in the marketing department wants to hear because they want to be able to follow up, reach out, and 
spread spread the word about their company. But Send me 20 emails about their holiday exactly. discounts. Thank you very much. Exactly, exactly. Right. So, but, it's, but it's interesting because we do think about retailers now being in the business of collecting customer data as mm-hmm. a really important part of their business. But here's an example where the data can be to your detriment. Yeah, exactly. And and some of the states had attempted, and, and you know, I'm not an expert on 50 state, I'm not an expert at all, but I'm not an expert on 50 state abandoned property laws. Uh, but some of the states did try to force retailers to collect information. They, New Jersey, I think it was, and now it was overturned, but they were saying you had to collect the zip code, at least because the state wanted the money. Even if you didn't collect the name or know who it belonged to, we still want the money. So you don't have to collect the address, but at a minimum, you have to collect the zip code. So you have to look at whether or not the state requires you to collect certain information. We were talking earlier about the difference between gift cards and paper certificates, which might be treated differently under state laws. Are there other kinds of gift cards or rewards cards that would be treated differently? Yeah, it, it depends. Again, um, if the if money was not exchanged for the gift card, so if a store loyalty through a store loyalty program, um, you've received a gift card or a pr- promotional gift card, something like that. Uh, spend five dollars, get five back in a get in the form of a gift card, and the store implements an expiration on those types of gift cards. They may be, you know, within their rights to do so because a lot of the times, a lot of times, the promotional type marketing gift cards, loyalty program gift cards, things like that are excluded from the actual gift card laws and in turn excluded from the abandoned property laws as well. So, you know, if you have a million dollars worth of unclaimed property or unused gift cards on your books and records and you know, 750,000 of those are from loyalty gift cards. You may not have a problem um, and you may not have a reporting requirement. Just to make sure I'm clear on the distinction, when we talk about gift cards, we're really talking about cards that were purchased for cash or the equivalent to give somebody a gift of value at that store. Right, exactly. So like the ones you find in your stocking that were paid for, though. Right, the ones that are, are, you know, haunt you at the cashier at a lot of stores now. They'll have a whole row of them. A wall of them, yeah. Yeah. Um, But that's distinguished from a loyalty or a promotional card that you might get from a store that's issued by the store without value to incentivize you to shop there again. Right. Exactly. That's... Okay. I can see why those would be treated differently. Mm-hmm. Okay. You vigorously protest being an expert. So let's hear a little bit about what it is you do do in your day-to-day practice. So my practice is basically acting as outside general counsel to foreign companies doing business in the U.S. That's not to say that we don't work with local companies. We do. It just happens that about 95% of our uh, clientele is Italian-based. They generally are either a larger company starting here. um, So we treat the company as kind of a startup, the client as a startup. But yeah, I do kind of everything. So any issues that arise... Um, we we do handle those, uh, and not always personally. Um, sometimes they're sent out to other 
other uh, attorneys in the firm who are better suited to handle right. handle the matter, but we're generally managing everything. So I can... You handle it or you learn it or you find the person who yeah. knows it. Yeah, exactly. Right? I yeah. get it. That's a good kind of lawyer to be. We usually wrap up these episodes with a closing argument. What would you suggest as a takeaway for our listeners on the topic of gift cards? The takeaway is that the you know, the implementation of a gift card program is not as easy as it seems. I think that um, retailers generally go into it saying, okay, I'm going to issue gift cards and that's it. They don't think, sometimes they don't think about the terms and conditions, expiration dates. They they, they use, uh, they come at it from a, a business perspective and they don't think they need to involve legal in setting this program up. And I think that they should talk to their lawyer to make sure that they're compliant with all the laws and that they're taking the proper steps to, to stay out of trouble. And probably to figure out really what the long-term cost of their gift program is, right, when they're assessing it for marketing or any other purpose. Yes, yes. All right. That's great. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Rich. Thank you again for listening to Law Brief. Now here's something lawyerly, a disclaimer. We are not your lawyers. We do not have an attorney-client relationship, and this podcast does not constitute legal advice. If you need legal advice, you should contact and engage counsel of your own choosing who can best address your own situation and particular needs. You can find more information about our law firm, me, and many of our guests at our website, www.tartarkrinsky.com. We are a mid-size, full-service firm located in New York City and New Jersey. If you want to contact us for any reason, be it comments, topic ideas, or anything else, you can email us at podcast at You can also follow this podcast on iTunes, among other places, and we would very much appreciate it if you rate or review us. I'm Rich Schoenstein, and this was Law Brief.